Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 7. Here's Pastor Ryan. So it says here, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, standing by, he said to him, his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. I love this story of our Lord on the cross. This is now the third saying that he has on the cross as he sees his mother, Mary, standing there, uh, watching him. No doubt she was in agony in her heart, probably thinking back to the time where she uh, birthed him in Bethlehem and the miracle that he is, her Lord and her Savior, but also her son. And so uh, it's a beautiful thing to see our Lord that right before he died, he wanted to make sure that she was taken care of. And so the disciple whom he loved, which is probably the writer of John, it was John himself, who would rest his head upon our Lord's uh, chest. He loved the Lord so much at dinner, just was a hugging Jesus. But the Lord would, would say to his mother, woman, behold your son, and to that disciple, behold your mother. It's beautiful in, in so many ways, right? He's caring for his mom. It's a good time to reflect on Mother's Day on our mothers. You know, some of us have, have wonderful stories of uh, the mothers in our lives, and then there's others who, who not so much, right? And as a broken people coming to Christ, there's so many different stories. And as we minister to people, we get to hear different stories. And we need to be sensitive to the different stories within the body of Christ, right? Because this world is fallen. And we come in from fallen and broken situations that, you know, aren't always a, a pretty picture. And so I know that this day can be hard for a lot of people for various reasons. But we're grateful that Jesus is on the throne caring for us, interceding on your behalf and mine. There are some who have lost their mothers recently, and this day's hard for them today, and it'll probably be hard for them the next Mother's Day and the next if the Lord should tarry. Their moms were so precious and so wonderful to them that it's hard. I, I heard that even some would not make service because it's too hard. And so we're grateful that God, through Jesus Christ, holds the keys to eternal life. Amen. He is the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in him shall not die. Amen. And so there's hope that we're going to see them again. And so we mourn, yes, but not as those who have no hope. We take the wonderful things they've taught us and we, and we carry them on. We pass them on. In my life, things were not good. I come from a broken home, and 
to this day, you know, there's there's just no contact. And it is, it you know, it's it's in the Lord's hands. But like I said, there's many stories like that. There are stories where people people grew up without mothers at all. Some with abusive mothers, some with none at all. Orphans, really. So what do you do in such cases but point them to the Lord? You point them to the Lord. Because many people will blame God on this day. Because their mothers weren't what mothers should be. So they think, well, there's something wrong with, must have been something wrong with me, or there must have been something wrong with, with God. But the truth is, is that God has given everybody free will. So people choose how they're going to live, how they're going to love, how they're going to parent. But we know this, that the Lord is faithful. He's the God of the fatherless, which means, obviously, that he's also the God of the motherless. And I thank the Lord for that. He says, don't enter into the fields of the fatherless, right? Because their Redeemer is strong. He has a keen eye on those of us who come from broken homes where things weren't ideal. God is so good. Throughout Scripture, he warns us these things can happen. Isaiah 49, 15, he says, Can a woman forget her nursing child? And not have compassion on the son of her womb. Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. In other words, the scars of our Lord prove that though mother and father may forsake you, the Lord is your help. That he chose you and I from the foundations of the world to love us, to care for us, to cherish us, to, to bring us up in his ways. My journey with the Lord started a month before my 24th birthday. What, what did I know about normalcy and a good family and, 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 and all of those things? Nothing. So how in the world can I become not only a father, but a husband and a, and a husband, a father, a pastor? How did that happen? Come, shouldn't you get somebody who had more experience with normalcy, the good home? But now, many years later, I see, ah, that, that, okay, I don't regret the abuse as a kid. I wouldn't want to go through it again. But I knew that later, I know now that in the future, God would use it for good. Because I would hear people and minister to broken people who come from all kinds of, of bad places, and I can share with them, God hasn't forsaken you. And it's not your fault. Though It's a fallen world. People choose terrible, you know. They're blind in their unbelief, just the way we were blind in our unbelief. That's why we don't condemn them. But we start getting to know our Father very well, don't we? Learn what it means to have parents that are in Christ, basically, Him. And I love how Mary was in need of a son because her son was going to die. Though he has brothers and sisters, that son was going to die. She was in need of a son. John, the pastor, I mean the pastor, the disciple that Jesus loved. Perhaps he needed a mother. She was not his mother, but she would be from that day forth. He was not her son, but he would be from that day forth. When I came to the Lord by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, he knew that I was in desperate need. I didn't even know it of love from a mother. 
when I was working in Orange County, I met a lady there named Sue Cast. She saw me reading a Gideon Bible that somebody gave to me at the Taqueria Omanas in Almani. I only say that because I know I'm the only pastor in the whole world who would say that this morning. <laughs> but this guy goes, nice tattoos. You ever get a chance reading? He gave me a little golden Gideon Bible. And I would read it, the Proverbs. And I wasn't saved. I would read the Proverbs. And she came in and she saw me there at uh, Caltrans. I was a security guard at the time. And, and, and she goes, oh, you're a Christian? I go, no, I'm Catholic. Look. I was down, you know. I was down for what I did not know, but I had a crazy Virgin Mary medallion, Olympic, you know, kind of gold medal size. And, uh, you know, but she ministered to me and would give me breakfast burritos and love on me. And and she pointed me to Raw Reese because she can see I was, I too was had a lot of fury and needed freedom. Old Calvary Chapel people would know that. And uh, I ended up uh, going to Calvary Chapel, Golden Springs. I got saved. And I called her up the next morning because it was a Wednesday night. I got You guys who skip out on Wednesday night, you should go. People get saved, you know. Your pastor got saved on a Wednesday night. So the next day, I called her up Thursday morning. Hey, Mama Sue, I got saved last night. I'm born again. Just hung up. And, and, and then, and then, like boys do, right? Yeah, Clarissa was like, why do you talk to people like that? We're, guys are just, uh huh, all right, late. <laughs> Girls are like, okay, I'm gonna hang up now. Five, four, three, have a good day. You have a good day. Have a good day. So, anyways. God knew I needed her, and she needed a son. Her only son had just died two years prior. 18-year-old football player in Moval who got a full scholarship to Arizona. Big linemen. They were like CIF everything, you know, to get scholarships, big scholarships to Arizona. So on a road trip to check out the dorm, the tire shredded on the road and the, the Bronco flipped. Remember they were having the issues with the tires back in the, so he died. So she was this, so she taught me a, a woman, a mother in pain taught me how to walk stronger with God. Not to be a sissy for a man, to be strong. She was compassionate, she was sincere and sympathetic and witness to everybody, but had a big heart for young men because of her son. But she would just, she blessed me. She taught me, she opened a bank account with me for the credit union. She, she blessed me to go to Israel with Pastor Chuck and Kay. She introduced me to Chuck and Kay. She introduced me to people on Chuck and Kay's, on Chuck's board, OG Calvary people. So she was going to the Calvary, she was going to the to Costa Mesa since the 10 days. She was going to Costa Mesa when Steve Mays was doing a home Bible study. He didn't even have South Bay Calvary Chapel. So she was old school, the way God hooked that up. So very beautiful, powerful, you know. And, and so she went to be with the Lord a couple years back. But she'd been with me for the whole 
my ride as a Christian and had been a solid figure in my life. And that's what all of you sisters can be. You may not have a, a, a physical child or have given birth, but you, you, God made women to be nurturers. And Christian women are the best nurturers because they have Christ in them. I mean, to think, we call our little girls, right, in the Hispanic uh, community, we call them mamas. Come here, mama. Why? Because they're like little moms. You know, they want, they take caring for dolls, and, and you know, they're just all about being moms, even as, as baby girls. He made them that way. If it wasn't for moms, I'll tell you, we would, us men would kill each other in two days, two days, depopulation. <laughs> the tribe of California just took over the tribe of Arizona or whatever, you know. We just charge. There's no moms in the world. In Psalm 113, verse 9, it says, He grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. She needed a son. Sue needed to be a mom again. She was wailing over not being a mom anymore to Nate or not being able to mother him. And God heard her cry and made her home like a joyful mother of children. And I used to love to tell her all that God was doing through her adopted son. I have her last text. I was sitting out here praying one morning and talking to her real early. She was living up in Oregon at the time, just before she passed. And, you know, it was a great conversation. And she was very hopeful for our church. And, and then she texted some really sweet things after hearing the first, she heard the first message that I gave in this building. And, said, oh, son, play that in 20 years. It'll be a shot in the arm to the church. And she would call me mijo. My Caucasian spiritual mom would call me mijo. <laughs> and bring me breakfast burritos. <laughs> so be encouraged, sisters. I know it can be hard. I pray for my birth mother. You know, I do. She doesn't know Christ, so I don't hold anything against her. I pray for her. Amen? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians, please, chapter 7. As you know in our story, the Apostle Paul is trying to strengthen the church at Corinth. Corinth was known, had a reputation that would make Las Vegas blush. It was perverse. Even the pagans knew it was perverse. There was temple prostitutes, religious prostitution. So it was a way of life in Corinth. It was so bad, the temptation for sexual immorality was everywhere. And the Apostle Paul had just finished speaking to the church on the sexual immorality that they had allowed in the church. The young man who was sleeping with his father's wife. Like, what, what's going on? 
And he said, in the name of Jesus, to this unrepented guy, get rid of him. Kick him out. And, so he, and then he goes from that to reminding them that their bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in them. He reminded them that the Holy Spirit you have from God, he's in you. And you are not your own, is what he said to them. He said, for you are bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In other words, if we're going to deal with sexual immorality, fornication was the thing. If we're going to deal with, with sex outside of marriage, you have to understand first that your body and your spirit are God's. If you don't understand that, then you're going to do whatever you want. But if you understand that your body and your spirit belong to him, then you do understand any time you sleep with someone, you're taking Jesus into that bed with you guys. And it's sin. And so the Corinthian church, to their credit, they wrote to Paul. They had letters, they had questions in this letter to him concerning, you know, what's right and what's wrong. The Greeks, some who were against immorality, were like, like, okay, sex is bad. Look at the temple prostitutes. Look at all this immorality in Corinth. So some of the Greeks were saying, all sex is bad. It's better not to be married, just to be celibate. And so, is that true? They asked Paul, should we just not get married? Is sex bad? Should we all be celibate? And these are the questions that he answers here. Verse 1, he says, Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. And so here he says it's good that a man not touch a woman. In other words, he's saying it's good that a man not be married. But he's saying this not because it's bad, to be married. Paul the Apostle, you know, is the, aside from our Lord, he's like the greatest go-getter for the kingdom we have. He's all over the world for the, for God, right? He's all over the place. So in his mind, he's thinking, it's, it, yeah, you know, to not be married is better because you can do more for God and be undistracted. He's not saying that marriage is bad. His heart is, I want the church to be undistracted about so many things, and I want them serving the Lord. Which you know and I know, that's Jesus' heart. That we would serve him in some capacity, whether it's saying hello to people here, picking up trash, helping with the lawn, doing something, or, or doing some evangelism, or invite, you, know, you know, witnessing, but do something, right? God saved us so that we would be about his business. Yes, we are, we have our careers, we have our families, but top priority has to always be God. And this is why he's saying, yeah, it's good that you don't get married. But he's saying that because we're called to serve him, guys. We're not too old or too young to serve. What can I do? There's a prayer group every, before every service that is the backbone to why our church has been blessed. It's that prayer, the ladies praying in there. We got to get men in there. You got, you got some time to spare? Show up a half hour early before service on Sunday, both services, and you can go in there and you can pray. That's serving the Lord. More than serving the Lord. You're lifting up my arms so that I can come up here with his power. That prayer. So you can find something. Jesus said in John 12, 
If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Right? If anyone serves me, it is him whom my father will honor. He, he remember, he washed the disciples' feet, and he said to them, this example, this is where greatness is. It's in serving one another. Serve one another. To our uh, embarrassment, it is women who do most of the serving in all churches in the whole world. Some brothers who would try to uh, debate that would say, yeah, but there's more women in the world. <laughs> it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. And so because of sexual immorality, God is saying through Paul, it's better to be married. It's better to be married. Marriage is a remedy for sexual immorality. <laughs> I know it's one of many, Donna. It's one of many. It's not the only remedy. But you know, many of people have gotten married because they just have to. It was awkward in, in uh, first service, and apparently it's going to be awkward in this one, too. Yes, some people, man, you know, I mean, face it. Most of us are on that boat, right? We're in, we were in that boat before we got married, I'm, you know. We just got to get married. That's all. Where is she? Just being truthful. Four years single. Ended up at college and career at Costa Mesa because of Mama Sue. And perfect study where I can focus on God. And there was plenty of people to focus on God with. And, and, and one day she walked in and that was it. Thank God. We didn't have iPhones back then, nothing. I was flip phones. But, you know, it was a good, you know, I, I was saved at a big church. I went to two big churches, then I went to a small church, then it's our church. So, but anyways, I digress. What was I saying? People, again, it is a remedy. People will struggle with sexual immorality. It is a remedy. How do we survive in Corinth that is so sexually immoral? How do we survive in today's age when things are immoral and, and things are on the phones and the devices, the computers? It's everywhere. How do we survive? Well, one of the ways are if you're single or a widower, widower, widower is a chopper of wood. <laughs> a, a widower you know there too you know it's an option is what God is saying and it's real to some people and I get that I don't I don't I don't hate on on that it's it's real and uh and so he says nevertheless because of sexual immorality let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband 
Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of of self-control. You know, it says here, do not deprive. The word is defraud. And in Greek, it's apos, apos, apostereo, which means to defraud, despoil, destitute, kept back by robbery or by fraud. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m., and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We don't.